You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Dear Pats Nation, Bill Belichick made some pretty significant moves during free agency, but nobody seemed to embrace being a New England Patriot more than Kendrick Bourne, and he was very quickly becoming a fan favorite amongst the Patriots faithful. But how happy is Pats Nation with the signing, and what impact will he have on the Patriots this season? Well, let's find out together here on Patriots Outsider. Because I think the purpose of faith is to get human beings to live on a higher plane than the animals in the jungle and that there's something bigger going on that's bigger than all of us. And What's going on, everybody? It's your boy, Ray. I'm with my boy, Lawrence, and welcome to Patriots Outsider here on Dear Pats Nation. Guys, because of the intensity of the Patriots offseason and some of the big names that came through the door, Kendrick Bourne seems like a pretty small signing when you compare him to Jonu Smith, Hunter Henry, and Nelson Aguilar. But I've talked about this a few times, man. Bourne has embraced being a Patriot so much that you can't but not love him. And though I've gotten a lot of great feedback from Pats Nation up to date, I'm interested in digging a little bit deeper and seeing just how excited or maybe not excited fans are and what role we all think he's going to have this year. And we've brought in my boy Lawrence right over there uh, because one of the things that is said to us the most is, is that we are homers. We're nothing but homers. So twice a week, I bring on my boy Lawrence. He's a Colts fan. He hates the Patriots, but he doesn't hate on the Patriots. So he's here to bring a little bit of that balance to the conversation. But before we can really get started, guys, I have to tell you that support of Dear Pats Nation is brought to you by Manscaped, who is the best in men's below-the-waist grooming. When was the last time you could see behind the bushes? Now, I'm not going to lie. Shaving your balls can be a nerve-wrecking experience. When you think about everything that can go wrong, if the blade's not sharp enough, it tugs on the hair, if the blade doesn't work, it irritates you, and it leaves you with awful razor, awful razor burn, and the scariest part of shaving your balls is the risk of cuts, and the last thing you ever want to do is cut your balls. That's why Manscaped has redesigned the electric trimmer. The Manscaping engineer team spent 18 months perfecting the greatest ball hair trimmer ever created and just released the new and improved lawnmower 3.0 their third generation trimmer features cutting edge ceramic blades to reduce grooming accidents thanks to the advanced skin safe technology pioneered by manscape manscape obsesses over techno technology development to provide you with the best tools for your grooming experience they also use the best ingredients in their formulations, 
Guys, when you trim the bushes, the tree stands a little bit taller. Look, and when I tell you this is premium, I mean it's premium. The battery will last up to 90 minutes so you can take a longer shave. One of the coolest features is the LED light, which illuminates grooming areas for a closer and more precise trim. They've also upgraded to a 7,000 RPM motor with quiet stroke technology. And let's not forget about the charging stand. Guys, show off your mower loud and proud because the intelligently designed stand is a convenient charging dock and it's powered by USB. And guys, listen, if you're listening to this right now, you are one of the first people to hear about this life-changing product. And I want you to experience it firsthand yourself. Trim that junk of yours. Get 20% off plus free shipping with the code RayRoute at manscaped.com. Level up that hygiene routine with only the best manscaping tools. Your balls will thank you. Guys, get 20% off and free shipping with the code Ray route at manscaped.com. That's 20% off and free shipping at manscaped.com. Use the code Ray route R A Y R A U T H. Trim your junk with Manscaped. Support Deer Pats Nation in style by gearing yourself up with some DPN merchandise over at teesprings.com slash stores slash DPN. We have left the link in the description of this YouTube video and on the podcast. All right, five minutes into the show. I haven't even let Lawrence say hello yet. Lawrence, how you doing, buddy? Welcome to Patriots Outsider. I'm doing pretty darn good. I'm just uh, all that intro to Manscaped had me really cringing there for the first, you know, 30 seconds of that. You going off on all the, the bad things that can happen. Oh, my goodness. That makes you just be like, oh, well, I'll just take a forest over that. You know? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, well, you know, they are supporters of the show. They are our feature mm-hmm. sponsor, but I believe in the products as well. I own a lot of the products. You and I both use the cologne, so mm-hmm. it's uh, it's a company I experience. So, Lawrence. I love the cologne. You made your big debut in the basketball league this weekend, mm-hmm. your professional broadcasting debut. We know we had some hiccups, so let's ignore the hiccups. Besides the hiccups, how did things go? Besides the hiccups, I think I did pretty darn well. Uh, I was very, very nervous starting off. Uh, obviously, you know, whenever you go into a new job that you feel uh, you're, you're not ready for because you've never done it before. Right. Uh, but once you get into to the groove of things, it's just like anything else uh, It's very much like sitting here talking with you, except I'm, you know, watching a basketball game and and, you know, making commentary on it. And it was it was fun. It was it was very fun and enlightening. And I can't wait to get back to it when I, you know, next time I have one of those games that I have to go to. And he's going to make sure there's cameras present. Cameras present. A little inside joke. Y'all don't have to worry about it. All right, look. So I'm excited to get into the uh, Kendrick Bourne and get your feedback. But I also hear, uh, I want to hear what Pat's Nation has to say. But on Saturday's episode of the No, no Source podcast, Patriot fans and I, we weighed in on Julian Edelman's knee injury and discussed whether or not we thought Edelman We'll still be a Patriot this season. And I want to look at a few of the comments and see what Patriot fans had to say for the ones who missed the live show. But before I do that, let me just catch you up really quickly because I do want to get your opinion as well. Julian Edelman likely won't be able to play the entire 2021 season due to a lingering knee issue that sidelined him for most of the last campaign. Edelman doesn't intend to retire, but surgery won't resolve the underlying issue. 
And if he does play, it's unlikely the veteran will be able to perform at full speed toward the end of the season. That obviously is putting the Patriots in a tough position because on one hand, Julian Edelman has been an Ironman in the definition of the Patriots way. But Belichick is going to have to balance productivity, and if there's a risk that Edelman will be dead weight come the end of the year, we're wondering if Belichick could consider cutting him. So with just that little example, what's your thoughts on Julian Edelman and sort of his uncertain future with the Patriots this year? I wouldn't think that he would cut him. Um, here's the deal. Unless they save uh, uh, an entire huge amount of money in cutting him, uh, I, I wouldn't see it happening just for the simple fact that, you know, he is a, a veteran presence in that wide receiver room that uh, all the receivers can can look to and understand how the Patriot way works, uh, advice, um, all sorts of stuff that I think a, a Julian having a Julian Edelman in the locker room where receivers can be there present would just be a huge benefit, not just on the on the field itself. Um, so I, I wouldn't think that they would cut him just, just was that simple fact, because let's, let's face it other than him wide receiving core wise, uh, it's not exactly uh, a veteran savvy group. You know what I mean? One of the things I thought about after the show yesterday that I think we could see the Patriots do. One of the things we're seeing in the NBA now is load management. Mm-hmm. And I'm wondering if they take that approach with Edelman days off from practice where he's just watched on the sideline doing his own routine in games where maybe he won't be as needed or, or the, you know, it's gonna be more of a run heavy game and the other receivers can take over. Perhaps he's only getting 20% of the plays, you know, during the game kind of load that management and keep him as healthy as possible. So when you start getting down the stretch, if the Patriots find themselves in a playoff run when it comes to week 14, 15, 16, 17, you can start playing him a little bit heavier. If they do make the playoffs, have a fresh Edelman ready for the playoffs. And I think things like, you know, if week 17, things are wrapped up, you don't even dress him. He's a healthy scratch sitting at home. Don't even travel if it's a road game and just let him rest. Or just kind of take that load management approach as much as possible. Let him take those days off. He had a lot of last season off because of injury. And almost take like basically what the Bucs have done with Rob Gronkowski, the Gronkowski approach of like, hey, man, I need you to be able to perform on Sunday. I don't need you to perform on Friday. And because Edelman is so into the system and ingrained in the system, and even if there is changes, there won't be massive changes. I think people are wondering if Josh McDaniels really going to tailor this book for all the new players and, and Cam Newton. But at the end of the day, the Patriots had 100 passing plays they're not going to throw out those 100 passing plays and start a brand new playbook. It's going to be very Patriot-esque with some twists and turns to use a quarterback like Cam Newton. So Julian Edelman should be able to just fit in without a ton of practice, and that's a way I think they could use him moving forward. Well, I mean, the load management makes a lot of sense because I, he's been with this, uh, get, get cat. <clears throat> Sorry, my cat was trying to get on my uh, – my camera uh, tripod here. <laughs> I didn't want it. Um, right. But no, see, the Indianapolis Colts went through a very similar situation with T.Y. Hilton, their veteran wide receiver. And, you know, he was having injury issues and it always had to do with a knee or an ankle or something. And there would be weeks on weeks where he would not practice at all, you know, but would be there on game day and have a limited snap count, you know, trying to to, to get him healthy and, and going. Um, just, just to have him on the field, if for nothing else, but a decoy, you know, to where he's on the field, you have 
to definitely have people on him because he could really do some danger, uh, some serious damage to you. Uh, I think the Patriots could use Edelman in a very similar situation, uh, especially, you know, if, if let's say he needs to uh, get his knee a little bit more healthy through the season, uh, just not, again, you said he knows the system, he knows the playbook, he may not need to practice nearly as much, if at all, in between game weeks. Uh, being there on the practice field, uh, going through walkthroughs, things like that, absolutely, but not necessarily out there really working himself uh, to death and and and, and hampering his, his rehabilitation uh, uh, after that surgery. Yeah, those are really good points. And, and if he does stay on the team, I think I could see them going that route. Um, so, Lawrence, I'm going to go in and pull a few of these comments out from the last show just for the people who wanted to weigh in. I'll quickly address them, but if you want to weigh in, please just jump in and weigh in and we can talk about it. Scott Shepard says, as much as I'd love to see Edelman, I would rather see him be able to live life after football without being in pain and be able to walk right. As tough as it could be, you know you have to say when. And I think that's the thing is this isn't whether or not Edelman is going to hang it up or not from all everything the sources are telling the media. He has no intentions of retiring this year. I think the question more is, will he be playing his limited football with the New England Patriots or will he be playing his limited football somewhere else? And we've talked about, you know, Lawrence and I both said, don't cut him, put him on load management and do that kind of thing. But I do agree with the pain. I think regardless, he's going to play with, he's going to live with pain after this. Most football players have. I mentioned this yesterday when I was on, uh, when I was doing the show live that, I'm 35 years old. I played maybe an eighth of the amount of contact football that Julian Edelman has played in his career. And I'm feeling the aftermath of it. And yes, I was an offensive lineman and yes, you know, we took hard hits and that kind of thing, but we did not get beat up like a Julian Edelman does and as intense as he plays. So he's going to have pain regardless, but this isn't about him deciding whether he wants to hang it up or not. This conversation was more based around whether or not we believe he's going to be a new England Patriot next season. Yeah, I, I don't think that he's going to hang it up. I mean, or or the fact that he won't be a, a New England Patriot. I think he'll be there. We already discussed this just a moment ago, but this is a situation where uh, Julian knows what he's getting himself into. Uh, if he if he decides that, you know what, I can continue playing for another year or two, then he's going to do it. Uh, n- nothing that you or I or anyone else is going to say other than maybe his doctor or his, uh, you know, close-knit family, you know, uh, I don't know is, if he's married or what. I, I don't follow that closely, but, you know, if he's married, maybe his wife might have a, a say-so in it, obviously, but in that situation, Edelman, he's going to make the decision on the future of his life, and if he still has that love for football, he has to weigh it on, uh, you know, his quality of life afterwards, and he's going to make that decision yay or nay, and at this point in the offseason, you would think he would have already made that decision. You know, if, if, if say two months ago, <clears throat> he felt like, you know what, I'm not going to be able to, to push through, or even if he had doubts about it, he would have said something, something would have came up by now. Patriots versus everybody says people mention COVID, the opt-outs, no offseason for Newton struggles, but they discount or even disregard entirely the fact that Newton lost Edelman after the first few weeks of the season. He even mentioned now Jules was his guy and how much he needed him. I'm looking forward to Newton this year, and I truly believe he could do or he could do exceedingly well. 
interesting point because when you did your film room, you talked about, I think it was on the Jacoby Myers actually, but you pointed out that I can't remember if it was the Cam Newton or Jacoby Myers. Maybe you mentioned in both, but you pointed out that Edelman was targeted a lot by Cam Newton. And when Edelman went down, Newton almost looked lost out there because he didn't have his go-to target. Mm -hmm. So it is interesting because that could be two reasons. A, the chemistry he built with a veteran B, Outside of Jacoby Myers, there weren't really any options outside of Julian Edelman to really build chemistry. A little bit different this year with John Smith, Hunter Henry, Nelson Aguilar, and Kendrick Bourne in the mix. But yeah, if Julian Edelman can find a way to stay on the field, even in a limited capacity, it could be a big help for Cam Newton trying to bounce back this year, correct? Yeah, I think so. Um, yeah, you're absolutely right. When I was going through the film, I mean, it could have been any of them. I've got uh, plenty of Patriots film that I've I've broke down on offensive players. So um, I did notice that that Cam early on, he was going to Edelman a lot. And I think it had a lot to do with, you know, limited time uh, with working out with the Patriots due to the COVID and, and, you know, no real preseason or anything like that. So he was probably throwing Edelman a lot and he got comfortable with him. And then he goes down. And then he has to, you know, build that chemistry with somebody else. Now he didn't have that buffer, you know, of games upon games of, of building the chemistry. And that really, uh, the person who, who, who quoted this, I think he's right. He's, he's to that now. Uh, he had the rest of the season to get a little bit of chemistry with some other players. Uh, we talked about Jacoby Myers. I think he gained some chemistry late in the season with him. Um, and uh, now that we have a, a full off season, hopefully this season, he'll probably gain a lot more. Sorry about that. A lot more chemistry with other players on the field, especially the tight ends and Aguilar and, and uh, you know, this, this person that we're going to be talking about shortly. King Cato says if Edelman is put on the IR, it could be the break or the break Harry needs to extend his Patriots career. So that's sort of a two part and let's split that in half. Could you see a scenario where possibly the Patriots start Edelman on the IR because he is eligible to come off after six weeks and kind of almost redshirt him for six weeks and let him stay, you know, be healthy and have him a later start to the season? Or do you think they're going to want him there week one? Well, you could drop him on the IR or pup list. You know, you could either one of them. Uh, I'm sure he won't be on the pup, but the IR is a possibility. Um, the only issue is that if it's it's always good to have someone you can rely on early on in the season to get your rhythm going that's so important in any sport is to start a season off with a good rhythm and you want your best players out there early on now could you do that uh let them play the first couple weeks on a limited capacity and then see if cam gets a little bit of uh, rhythm with other players on the field and then make a decision later to be like, you know what, let's go ahead and rest you for a few weeks uh, in the middle of the season. Uh, since it seems like Cam is, is or whoever is starting at quarterback, most likely Cam from what I can tell, um, starting to get a good rhythm with other players because you were a buffer there, you know, the first couple weeks. Um, that's possible. I, I think that's, that's more possible than just outright st- uh, dropping them on IR early on. Speaking of buffer. <clears throat> You Sue says, Julian, come on down to the Bucks. Now, this is one that a lot of Patriot fans, Buccaneer fans have all sort of floated out there because 
when you think of the Patriots dynasty 2.0, obviously the one that started in 2014 when they beat the Seahawks, the three pillars of that dynasty was Tom Brady, Rob Gronkowski, Julian Edelman. Two of them are down in Tampa Bay. Lots of people have said, Julian, come on down and bring the third pillar and win another Super Bowl down in Tampa Bay. But my question to you on that is, and I'll flip this to a question rather than a comment. They've got Scotty Miller down there who plays a very similar position to Julian Edelman. I will argue and say at this point of their careers, Julian or Scotty Miller is an upgrade over Julian Edelman. I know that him and Tom Brady are best friends, but would there be any reason for Bruce Arians and that Bucks team to bring Julian Edelman to Tampa Bay, despite the fact, except maybe because he's Tom Brady's best friend? Well, not now. I could have seen it last season, but Tom Brady's had a year to 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 get to know the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and all the players around him. He's got guys there now that he has close relationships with. I mean, you know, so I, I don't I don't think that that's a situation that we can uh, foresee in the future, at least the, not the immediate future, unless Edelman splits off with the Patriots after this season or something. But I, I don't think that's going to happen this season at all. Guys, we want to thank all of our Dear Pats Nation Loyalty Club members over on patreon.com slash DPN Sports. For only five bucks a month, Connor and I record an exclusive webcast Sunday through Thursday. So if you like all the free content that we offer here, can I suggest that you check out our Patreon page over at patreon.com slash DPN Sports. We don't have any tiers where we charge you for different levels of access. We have one tier. It costs $5. You'll get five webcasts a week and you can participate in a Patreon exclusive live stream every second Friday. You can hang in the chat. You can join Connor and I on the screen. You can have a voice-to-voice conversation with us and other Dear Pats Nation Loyalty Club members. But in order to get that content, you have to join the club, and you can do that by going to www.patreon.com slash Sports. if you'd like to check it out. We have left the link to the Dear Pats Nation Patreon page wherever and however you are watching. We were live on Friday. We will be live this Friday as well, making up for the Friday we missed on Easter. I think we had about seven guys in this on the screen with us having a conversation. We had an epic battle between Summers and Chevy as they were debating Cam Newton for this upcoming season. We talked about Jared Stidham. We argued about beer. We talked about a whole lot of stuff, just as Ross would say, shenanigans. So make sure you come check that out. I think it should be a pretty good time this Friday at 8.30 p.m. Eastern time. Maybe we'll even send the link to Lawrence, and if he's around, he can jump in and say hi to everybody. If he's around, that's not a pressure thing. Don't expect him to be there visit rockymountainbarber.com and get all the products you need to take care of your hair beard and skin get their small batch all natural beard bombs and oils pre-shave oils lotions hair products razor blades and so much more visit rocky mountain barber company and use the promo code rayroute and save five percent off all your orders get your small batch hygiene products at rockymountainbarber.com all right Let's start talking about Kendrick Bourne, the real reason people are here. I know it's 22 minutes in, guys, but trust me, you wouldn't want us doing a one-hour show dedicated to Kendrick Bourne. It would get boring Uh, for any player, not just that's not a knock on Kendrick Bourne. Uh, But let me start this conversation by asking you, because you did do a film room on him. Um, Guys, Lawrence's schedule might be a little wonky for us of when film rooms come out, even when he joins us here on Patriots Outsider. That could change as well, depending on when the Indy Express are playing. Obviously. I understand, I think you'll all understand, when he has to go call and do play-by-play and call or commentary for a professional basketball team, we're going to we're gonna play second fiddle. I got no problems with that, but he will, will, so the schedule will be a little 
all over the place from time to time. But the film room will be going up tomorrow. I haven't had a chance to watch it yet, so I'm asking this question blind. So you got there's nothing you can reference to me that I'm going to get. What type of receiver is Kendrick Bourne, and how will do you see him fitting the Patriots system? He's another one of those guys. I, he can play outside and he can play slot. I think he you could play him just about anywhere. Uh, he has a limitation, and I'm I'm going to kind of leave that out there because it's a big thing, part of my my film rooms to to let you guys actually watch it when it comes out tomorrow. But there is a massive limitation, and it's not like you know the John U. Smith. It's like, well, I can't really find nothing wrong with him. No, this is a major limitation. But uh, Kendrick, I like him. I really do. Uh, I did not expect what I saw from Kendrick Bourne. Um, there is a situation in kind of an aspect, kind of similar to a. I, I think Cam Newton will see Kendrick Bourne. Almost, I'm, not, I'm not saying they're on the same level, obviously, but uh, kind of a Julian Edelman ish, in my opinion. Uh, and that might be why they grabbed him up. I was noticing that he is you. He was used a lot like uh, in San Francisco in the, in the routes and stuff that he was running and and what his what he brings to the team very similar to the way the Patriots used Edelman the last few years. So uh, this th- that could be a, a huge uh, reason why he was brought in because honestly, I I was blown away by some of the things that I was seeing Kendrick Moore do on the field over in San Francisco. All right. So anytime you make a statement, like he could be a little bit of a Julian Edelman ask or a Julian Edelman like player, you're going to raise a lot of eyebrows in new England mm-hmm. and a lot of people thinking things. So I'm looking forward to when we get into the live chat to see what the questions people ask, but over on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and our YouTube community page, we put this out to Pat's Nation. We said, how happy were you with the Kendrick Bourne signing and what impact do you think he's going to have on the Patriots offense this season? A little disappointed. We didn't get the reaction we normally get. We usually get peppered with comments and questions, but I think we got enough to do a show before we get into the live chat. This is on the YouTube community page. I'm going to, what I'm going to do is, is I'm going to read you the comments and let you respond to them. You've done the breakdown. I haven't seen it yet. So I'm going to be more of just the interviewer and moderator of this. If you're okay with that, Lawrence. So yeah, it says he will put up similar numbers to what Meyer had last year, but will score fewer times. I think he can do, most of his damage off play action across the middle of the field, and he will make an impact around week three. Now, Myers didn't score anything last year besides throwing a touchdown, so I hope that he can do more than Myers scored. But what do you think of Yaites' comments? Yeah, I was I was thinking that when I heard that as well. I was like, God, I hope he scores more than that. Um, uh, I, honestly, honestly, I think that uh, you're underselling Bourne a little bit. Um, I think he could be used not just off play action, I, straight out shotgun. Uh, he could be, he is incredibly good at route running, incredibly good. And he has to, to make up for his deficiencies, but he's a very smart, uh, wide receiver. And, um, I think that there's situations where he could get himself, uh, open opportunities when, other receivers can't do it because of how good his route running really is. So I think, I think uh, he could be used in just about any aspect except for one. 
you know, that I, you'll just have to watch the film room for that one. All right. I'm just a guy, pretty simple, great name. Says, I believe that he will be a solid option, but not an incredible game changer as other receivers. And I assume he's thinking about Nelson Aguilar and Jacoby Myers and possibly Julian Edelman in that sense. Okay. I think that he is a guy that you can go to on third and five, third and 10, third and 12, and move the sticks. And he could be that primary target on, on those situations. Um, that's that's the thing that I was seeing from Kendrick Bourne is he's a he's a kind of guy he's not going to blow a game up for you, but he is going to be that reliable receiver that you know he knows where that first down marker is he knows where he's got to get to he knows what he's got to do to uh, to get open in specific uh, uh, defenses schemes that are shown against him. Uh, I'm I'm seeing some stuff in, in in the live chat that I can't wait till we get to. But yeah, I I, I actually like Kendrick Bourne a lot, and I I, I can't say that enough. Um, for at, at least for for Cam Newton. Okay, and this will be the last one for a minute before we get into the live chat. Michael says, I'm predicting he'll be the number two wide receiver. Could you see Kendrick Bourne after watching that film? being the number two wide receiver for the Patriots? Wide receiver? Yes. Absolutely. Matter of fact, what's scary, I could see Kendrick Bourne leading the receivers in number of receptions. Maybe not yardage and touchdowns, but I could see him being the number one highest targeted wide receiver on this team. Uh, the, the only problem is, is a lot of those, uh, receptions will be, you know, between five and 10 yards. So, but I, I absolutely, he, he should be the number, at least number two, I think on this, on the Patriots wide receiving core. Okay. So this is an interesting one. Normally I jump right to Patriots comments, but I think I'm saying this right. Ferris side says 49ers fan here. KB was a wide receiver that knew all the routes in the wide receiver tree. Great locker room guy, loves to dance, LOL. Did you see that, that he knew a lot of those routes uh, and those wide receiver, uh, that wide receiver tree? Does he have a big route tree in your eyes? I I didn't see much of his dancing ability on the film room. I'm sorry. Uh, and and the uh, the locker room, for some reason, they didn't bring the all 22 film into the locker room so I could see how he was there. But uh yes. That is one of the big – he is a smart – like I said, a very smart wide receiver and is very adaptable to a complex wide receiver route system, okay? He is a guy who could take a lot of those option routes and use them to their fullest ability. Uh, far side is dead on target with that comment. Um, Pyromaniac – I'm just going to leave it there. Uh, he says – could Edelman be moved to the coaching staff as a means to keep his presence in the locker room that way? Uh, let me flip this question around a little bit. Let's pretend that Julian Edelman does realize, say say he goes through training camp and we get into mid-August, and we've seen this before in players. We saw this in Rob, uh, Rob Ninkovich. We had the old Colt who came in and gave up halfway through training camp because he just realized he just didn't want to do it anymore. If Julian Edelman goes through, feels the pain in his knee, and thinks, if this is the pain I have now, I can't imagine what it's going to be like here in Foxborough when it's cold in December. 
Could the Patriots try to and decide to retire? Could you see the Patriots trying to do something with him to keep him around the locker room, even if he isn't an active player on the roster? That's that's something that happens quite a bit in the NFL, all around the NFL, when you have veteran receivers that a lot of uh, players and coaching staff have a lot of respect for, especially guys that that know a lot and have a lot of information to share with you. the young players. They keep them around. Sometimes uh, the players actually say, you know what, I'll stay here and help for free, you know, as an intern, you know, off to the side. Now, whether or not Edelman would do something like that, I don't know. I can't speak for the man. But I, I've known for a fact, like uh, Robert Mathis did that for the Indianapolis Colts after he retired. Reggie Wayne still to this day comes in uh, during training camp and helps wide receivers out. Reggie so, Wayne, that's the one who dropped out of the Patriots. Yes, right? yes, yes. yes. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, I don't know it, what his thought process, Edelman's, that is uh, in that aspect. But I am almost positive that if he still has that bug and wants to play or be around football, you know, but he just he's just like, my body can't handle it anymore. And he decides to retire, but then he goes, you know, to Belichick and is like, look, I'd be more than happy to be here and, and help out in any aspect that I can. Like I said, that happens a lot throughout the NFL, and I wouldn't be surprised by it. So here's a comment by Mike Larry that I'd like you to respond to because you've broken down a lot of film on the Patriots lately, especially that offense. He says, Cam's system never relied on a slot receiver. Jules better retire. Now, I know for a fact that you've done two Cam Newton film breakdowns for the Patriots on my channel, and prior to him signing with the Patriots, you did a film room on Cam Newton from his time in Carolina. So you've looked at a lot of Cam Newton film. What do you think of Mike Larry's comment? What's your response to it? Do you agree, disagree, in the middle? What's your take on that? From what I saw of his film, what I have noticed from Cam is it, it doesn't matter as much where you line up on the field. It matters where you at on the field when he decides to throw the football. He is very accurate and smart when it comes to throwing between the hashes. So if you could be a an outside receiver and he most likely will not throw a very good ball down the field. However, if you're running a uh, a drag route or a post route or something that gets you inside the hashes, he's going to see that and deliver the ball to you if you're open. So I I don't like the idea of it, you know, knocking out slot receivers because I I think it has more to do with where you're at where your route tree takes you on the field rather than what your position itself is. Interesting comment here by Jack Farley. He says, I feel he's too similar to Myers uh, for them both to succeed simultaneously. You've done Mm -hmm. a film room on both. Completely different players. Uh, You look at them and you think that uh, the body type and size and stuff like that are very similar. They're not. Myers is a much faster wide receiver. um, And I think that, uh, Born is actually a better route runner than Myers. Uh, I also uh, like the the comment that we had earlier about Myers or Born being a very smart wide receiver and in multiple facets of the game. Smart, he is incredibly football smart, and I, I mean it just jumps off the film, and you'll see it. It's 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 something to watch and behold. So. Dice Rico four five six says he shows great footwork in route running and great yak. Do you see a lot of yak yards coming out of Kendrick Bourne? Is he good with the ball in his hand? Yeah, uh, <laughs> it, has, it has to do uh, again. That has to do with not you know when you run a route 
and I, I and and you're told he's a great route runner, right? That means generally route running, you're 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 going to end up having a a good three comb, right? In in your uh, combine or your pro day or something, you, you end up with a, a good three cone, uh, which means you're able to get in and out of cuts really fast, and that happens after the catch too. When you catch the football and you have a little space in front of you, you're able to make cuts and moves to make players miss or to get into the open field or something like that. And Bourne does a great job using that in order to get yards after catch. Charm City player Brandon A says, I do think Kendrick Bourne uh, will do an excellent with the Patriots because look at what he did with the 49ers. Now, from what I understand about Kendrick Bourne, again, I haven't watched Lawrence's film room yet. He got it to me today, and it's just been one of those days I haven't been able to watch it. Usually I'm a little bit more prepared for when he's on here. So I am asking a lot of questions in the dark. But from what I read about him and from talking to San Francisco fans after we signed Kendrick Bourne, what I've come to believe is that he had very limited opportunities in San Francisco. He didn't necessarily fit the system there for what he could do to what they wanted to do. He got buried a little bit on the depth chart. And I had a couple of San Francisco fans tell me that they didn't use him properly and they could have gotten more out of him. Does that line up with what you saw in film? They should have got a lot more out of him. I was noticing that Bourne was targeted probably three quarters of his targets were in the second half. He completely disappears in the first half on San Francisco tape. I have noticed that quite a bit. And something else that I noticed. Um, Sorry, can I just clarify? By disappeared, do you mean they're not targeting him or he's not exactly. even on the field? He's, he's, he's um, both. Like okay. there'll be plays where, you know, for, for the first half, you generally don't see him on the field very much. You also don't see him getting targeted when he is on the field. Okay. So I think that Bourne is a situation with that. If the Patriots have him on the field more often, you'll you'll see more targets for him because he's open a lot. He's open a lot. Now, the thing is also it's funny because he had three different quarterbacks throwing to him last year. It wasn't just Jimmy Garoppolo. Garoppolo goes down to energy or injury. Then then Nick Mullins goes in. He goes out with injury. Then you have C.J. Bathard throwing to him. You know. And I'm I'm cross wording energy and injury, which is weird. But <laughs> he's out there working with three different quarterbacks, starting over multiple games, and he's getting open enough for these guys to throw him the football when he's on the field, and that speaks volumes you know when when a quarterback is is comfortable enough with how open you are to throw you the football and you're not even on the field half the time yeah and it's funny you say that because uh brandon ace also said did you look at the quarterbacks that he had throwing to him because he had a lot right so yeah uh, exactly coco smooth i think that says guys my eyes are bad I, it's hard for me to read names especially when they're long but it says kb uh spectacular catch should be a 90 in madden does he make a lot of those spectacular catches did you see that he doesn't he can he can now he doesn't like i said earlier the thing about kendrick Bourne is he's not a physical athlete when it comes to uh top end speed he's not great at you know uh the the high jump you know he can't over jump people things of that nature but he's a smart smart player and he's able to get his body in the right position at the right time to give himself the best advantage that he can possible uh one of the best 
ways of putting through that and to explaining that is I, uh, it was a hail Mary pass, uh, late, late in the season. Uh, I can't remember who it was against, but they were just getting blown out. The Niners were, and it was a hail Mary pass late. And it's not a catch that Bourne should have caught. And yet he turned around five yards before the end zone to look at the football and where it was at and backpedaled to the point where he knew that he would be able to jump at its highest, at his highest point to be able to catch the football. And, and, and there was four defense. I think it was against the Seahawks. Maybe I'm not sure four defenders there and two other Niners. He's the one that came down with the football. And I was just like, Holy crap. And I was like one of his only touchdowns, if not the only touchdown he had last. I don't remember how many touchdowns he had, but that was one of the few that he had. And it was an amazing feat. It was something that generally he don't do. You don't generally go deep to him, but because he's able to use his body properly and he's such a smart player um, that he was able to come down with the football on that Hail Mary. Cowboys, that's right. Dark Dark Minute Man said so. Yeah, you're right. It was against the Cowboys. So the more and more I hear about Kendrick Bourne, the more and more, whether I'm reading the comments, listening to you, I'm hearing more and more about his brains, which mm-hmm. now tells me exactly why he's a New England Patriot. The Patriots like smart players. Now, they did go out and get some guys purely for athletic talent this year. AKA, you know, a la Nelson Aguilar. I wouldn't call him the smartest receiver in the league, but Jacoby Myers, very smart receiver. Kendrick Bourne, very smart receiver. Julian Edelman, very smart receiver. You got three guys, it sounds like, that can run the trees or can run the tree or the route tree, can know when to break off the routes, know when to come backwards. Now, one question I got to ask you, and you may not know this because it's not really something you look at for film, and I'm just literally. Basis. I've never looked into this and never thought about it. I'm now basing this just off the thumbnail I made for this. He looks like he's got a pretty big wingspan as well with his arms and his reach. Or is it more just his athleticism that gets him up to make those catches? It, so to say, his, 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 blah. one of these days I'll learn how to speak English. Um, Ladies and gentlemen, the, the voice of the Indy Express. <laughs> correct. <laughs> um, no, so... I don't think he's incredibly athletic when it comes to, you know, like I said, he's, he's not real fast. He's, he, he does, he's in it, is not able to make these massive jumps. Uh, his arm, his hand strength is very good. I will give him that. I think that uh, at the point of the catch, he's able to snag and hold on to that football, even when other uh, defenders' hands are slapping at it, things of that nature. I don't think that. Uh, his athleticism is is a great asset to him. I think it's actually a hindrance, but he makes up for it so much with with just technique and smarts. Guys, there are different ways that you can support Deer Pats Nation, but the only way that you can do it in style is by visiting the Deer Pats Nation merch shop over at teespring.com slash store slash DPN. And when you're there, get your hands on the newest DPN apparel, including our no 
sources exclusive t-shirts that will only be available until april 30th but you can also get your hands on other tons of t-shirts hoodies and coffee mugs over at the dear pats nation merch store by visiting www.teespring.com slash store slash dpn for your convenience we've left a link in the to our merch store in the description wherever and however you're listening or watching this show and i know for a fact that lawrence got his hands on dpn merch that he's waiting for to come in the same way i got my hands on some cold slaw merch that you can go check out as well uh lawrence i do want to jump back now and just look at the community board for a couple of minutes here and finish that up and then we also did get a a twitter comment maybe we'll start with twitter it's my boy marcus that sent it over to me he just says i'm very happy about kendrick Bourne. <laughs> i'm very happy about kendrick Bourne. he should be a number one or number two wide receiver we've already talked about number two is there any way possible kendrick Bourne could slot into that number one not from what i've seen but maybe you've seen something different but is there any way he could be that number one I don't, I don't see him being a number one be just because generally a number one either has uh, something that is exceptional about him physically in a trait, like uh, very tall, who can jump very high to, to make the 50-50 catches, much the same as like a, a D-hop or, or someone of that nature. Or they are very, very fast. They could take a top off a of defense, whether that's a Hill or, or a T.Y. Hilton or someone of that nature. He's just not really a number one receiver type guy, at least when I'm talking about your number one outside top target kind of person. But he is a guy that I think can get a lot of targets because he is his abilities to be able to get himself open. So that's that's how I see it. Taylor says, I think he will be a number two receiver. Uh, I'm really hyped about him because I love his personality too, but it's getting annoying that I will be seen on TV. Uh, that's making boards about the, I guess that people are forgetting to people are making their boards, looking at the depth charts on TV and people aren't adding Kendrick Bourne to that, to that free agent pickup list. And I think that, and I, I kind of said that at the beginning, Kendrick Bourne, I think if they would have signed Kendrick Bourne last year, that would have been that gigantic signing that the Patriots made, uh, you know, a great number two receiver. And I think bringing in a number two receiver is a big move when you're a team. I think that he just got basically got buried in the mix of not just those offensive players. You mm-hmm. got to remember he was competing with Jalen Mills and Matthew Judon and Davin gotcha and Henry Anderson. Like there were, and I know Henry Anderson's not a big name, but there was a lot of names. And then Kyle Van Noy, they re-signed David Andrews, Ted Karras. There was a lot of names that the Patriots signed this year. And Kendrick Bourne almost got knocked out of that, you know, elite list of players and kind of just ended up being a list of some players. Uh, would you agree with that assessment? Oh, well, yeah. I mean, when you have a, a laundry list of free agent signings, as long as the Patriots have, unless you are making 12 and a half to $15 million a year on those contracts, like a lot of these players are, you're, you're going to get lost in, in, in the shuffle. To be fair, uh, Nelson Aguilar people have him on that list and I don't think Nelson Aguilar is going to be a number one receiver for the Patriots. Uh, you talked about earlier about um, uh, him not having the smarts, but he does bring something to the Patriots that they needed. And that was that speed, that deep threat ability. And that's, uh, that's, I think there's a reason why they went and got Aguilar because they needed something like that to open up those underneath routes that Meyer and the tight ends and Bourne can then uh, take advantage of. 
without a guy who could take a top off a of defense, the safeties can play a lot more shallow and it makes it a much more difficult for um, players who, who do rely on those underneath routes to get open because teams can just play the shallow uh, zone uh, defense and keep those safeties in, make it very, very difficult to find the open spots. Okay, so let me ask you this question because this is a guy who nobody on Deer Pats Nation has put as a possible number one. I don't think there's a New England Patriots fan who has suggested that this person could be a number one, but it is a player that a certain film room analyst has said to me is going to have their breakout season in 2021. I think he had 700 yards last year in receiving because the Patriots true number one receivers will actually be the tight ends. In my opinion, could Jacoby Myers slip into that number one spot? I think, I think it's a given in my, from what I have watched on film. Uh, I mean, it's, it's I think it's going to be up between him and Bourne, but because Jacoby Myers has more time with Cam Newton, he had last year towards the end of last year, right. Uh, where, where Cam Newton started to get a lot comfortable with him. I think Myers will end up being that number one receiver. He can play generally all over the field. Um, I, I don't see him as, you know, that go-to deep threat every time. Uh, he, he does run routes well enough to be able to break off at the top of a route to get open deep downfield. You know, your 20, 25-yard passes, that's how you see him catching those uh, because he's able to break off of those routes late. But – I think Myers could be that number one receiver, you know, because he is, he does have similar qualities to Kendrick Bourne, but he has more of uh, that, that early rep, the, the early reps with Cam. So I, I really do. I, I think he's the, the best option uh, target wise for Cam Newton when it comes to wide receivers for the 2021 season, at least early on. So perhaps we got to start getting Lawrence on Thursdays in our new segment of Hot Take Thursdays because that probably would have been the hottest take we had this Thursday on Hot Take Thursday. Uh, saying that because I don't think there's any Patriot fan. It's not disrespectful what you're saying, but I don't. I cannot remember a single Patriots fan saying to me they believe Jacoby Myers will be a number one. Connor and I can consistently say that he will be a number two. And I promise you, I this wasn't planned, but I will be bringing this up at some point tonight on the Dear Pats Nation podcast at 9 p.m. Eastern time because I think it'll blow Connor's mind because he doesn't watch this. I mean, he pretends that he does, but he doesn't watch anything that we do. He doesn't even watch himself back to see how he looks. But I, I'm going to be really interested to see what his reaction, what he thinks by that. But everything you just said makes a ton of sense. It's hard to argue with what you just said. Well, think about this. Would you consider Reggie Wayne a number one wide receiver when, when he was playing? On the Colts? Mm-hmm. Um, I only knew him as a number one or a number two behind um, Marvin Harrison. Marvin Harrison. So I only knew him in that in that role. See, the difference to me between Reggie Wayne and Jacoby Myers is Reggie Wayne came in under Harrison and already mm -hmm. had that top backup. Jacoby mm -hmm. Myers came in in 2019 with a, a hurt Julian Edelman, right? Mm -hmm. So I think maybe if he would have came in as a number two behind a healthy Edelman or a true number one, then perhaps I would have put him in that Reggie Wayne category. But I get exactly what you're saying. For me, it's difficult to say because I didn't see Reggie Wayne come in and try to work, you know, start at the number three and work his way to number one. He was given to be a number two because he played in Indianapolis behind one of the best receivers of, our, of that era.
Yeah, and I'm not saying that that Jacoby Myers is Reggie Wayne. Okay, yeah. I'm saying they're similar style yes, he is, wide guys. receivers. So if he's not Reggie Wayne, you make sure you yell at Lawrence about it. Okay, <laughs> no, no, I'm just saying they're very similar style wide receivers, right? That, that, that neither of them are uber fast to take a top off of defense. Neither of them are really, really tall uh, or, or anything of that nature. They're good route runners. They got good hands, and they're smart football players. And they're not afraid uh, to make catches in traffic and knowing that they're about ready to get. They'll do whatever it takes to, to make that catch, right? Those are very similar traits between the two receivers. And you're, you are correct. Uh, Marvin Har- uh, Reggie Wayne had Marvin Harrison to teach him a lot of the stuff that Marvin Harrison already knew. And Myers doesn't have that. But Myers have coaches. I mean, you guys have wide receiver coaches, right? It uh, wasn't just the teaching. <laughs> You're also protected a little bit when you got that because you take a lot less attention when you got Marvin Harrison running down the field, right? A guy who's smart enough mm-hmm. to not get tackled and stand up and run in for a touchdown. And and you got Peyton Manning throwing the football where Jacoby Myers' biggest season was Cam Newton where he was the best receiver on the team when he really – I think at that point of his career shouldn't have been the best receiver on the team. You know, there should have been mm-hmm. where I think Reggie Wayne got that protection. So by the time Marvin Harrison retired, Reggie Wayne was already a, a vetted, you know, he was a vet. He was ready to step into that number one. Whereas maybe you're right. Maybe if he came in and it was and, and Marvin Harrison wasn't there, I don't know if Reggie Wayne could have stepped in and been a true number one right off the hop, you, you know, and maybe he never turns into it because he wasn't protected and taught by, by Harrison. It's a good point. And that's not knocking Reggie Wayne. It's you end up in different situations. If you look at a guy like Mohamed Sanu and how well he benefited from ha- playing with Julio Jones and AJ green for most of his career and being protected by them. And as soon as he's off those two teams, well, he starts to look like the Muhammad Sanu that we all love today. You know, just a the number. Th- yeah, the difference is is that Reggie Wayne, when when he was asked to be a number one, he stepped up. You know. Oh no, 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 and, and I and I'm not making that comparison, mm-hmm. but what I'm saying is is Reggie Wayne may never have been able to step up if he didn't have that experience and got protected and learned how to play football without being taken out by the number one cornerback when that was being taken away over on the other side of the field. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, because, and I think that um, too, with Harrison is a lot of fans today just forget how good he was and how he, because when, good. when they talk about those generational quarterbacks of, or um, wide receivers of that era, I always hear about the Terrell Owens. I always hear about, Chad Johnson or Ocho Cinco, you hear about Randy Moss. Mm-hmm. Marvin Harrison's a guy that's always sort of forgotten. He's never really mentioned, so it's really strange to me. I got a question for you. Is your last comment Mike Larry at 749? Or do you have other comments? Yeah, I have Mike Larry wow. at 749. I'm not used to the chat dying like that. Um, Well, we're going to the chat, so let's go back to it. <laughs> It's just weird to me. Normally, it's it's I can't keep up with the chat, and uh, it's just stopped. So, Solo Creator C says, what can we expect from Cam with a new offense in a full offseason? Also adding and seeing him working on his mechanics. I'm sorry. Um, there is a couple other comments on there, which is weird after that one, so. Uh, on YouTube, I'm actually looking at the YouTube one. Now. Okay, so you answer this question, and I'll go over to YouTube. Okay, yeah, okay. The, the comments have stopped on my. <clears throat> what can we expect from Cam with the new offense and a full off season? Seeing is him working on his mechanics. 
Uh, I would say that it's kind of weird when it comes to talking about working on mechanics as a quarterback at the age of like 30 plus, you know, it's, it's, it's something that can really mess you up when it comes to the delivery of the football. I think he needs to just go back to the way he was playing uh, when he first got into the NFL. It's just a little bit different because uh, with the simple fact that, you know, he, he doesn't have the same side to side mobility, but when it comes to just general, delivery of the football mechanics wise you don't want him thinking when he's throwing you want him just to react and play and if you're trying to work on mechanics uh at his age he's going to be thinking too much rather than just reacting uh can we expect something different from him absolutely because like i said there there was so many things that was kind of hampering him last season i think that his confidence level in and of itself probably dipped because of all the things that were working against him last year. He's going to go into this season with a full off season and a higher confidence level, knowing that he'll be able to uh, be more himself than he was last season. And that in and of itself is going to get allow for better play. Jack Farley says, how would you compare Bourne's 2021 role to Demir Bird's role in 2020, Bird was kind of forced into a number one spot where he didn't belong. I see Bourne as a low-end number two or a high-end number three. You've already kind of answered his spot on the team. Do you know enough about Demir Bird's role last year to answer this question? Not really. I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> Demir Bird I, I, was I, I, a pure speed guy that just ran down the field, and I that that's where he did his most damage. He was a speed guy. I, I see them. I I see just to answer everybody's question. I see Nelson Aguilar more in the Demir Bird role, but as that number two or number three receiver, but a stretch guy, um, more than more than likely that way. Yeah, because the way you just described it to me, uh, Demir Bird, if he, if his whole thing is speed, then it, it's not uh, with Kendrick Bourne. Kendrick Bourne ran like a four six forty. Okay, that's not fast. I, I think he ran a four five five forty in his pro day. So I mean, nice. You you think you don't? <laughs> you look at him and he looks like he's really fast, right? On film, and when you watch it, he looks like he's quick, and that's because of how quick he is able to get to his top speed and how good he is at changing directions and keeping that speed. And that what makes that's exactly what makes. Uh, born a very dangerous player because he could go from zero to 60 back to zero back to 60 in a blink of an eye and this will be our final question of the day it comes from the dark minute man just curious did you do a film room analysis on Devin gotcha if not what's your thoughts on signing him with the patriots i will tell you Lawrence has not because we have been focusing on the offensive players, but it's funny you say that because I'm ready to start focusing on those defensive players, but come on, I would love Matthew Judon has to be the number one on the list. We have to know what we're getting in Matthew Judon. Lawrence, are you comfortable doing Matthew Judon? I mean, if that's what you want, you know me, I'll, I'll do a film room on anything. You want me to do a film room on your long snapper. I will do a film room on your long snapper. All right. Well, that would be the most Patriot, esque uh, <laughs> film room in the world and maybe maybe we'll do it for fun one day <laughs> that would have been a good april 1st that would have been a great april fool's day 
Uh, yes, I think that uh, I, I would. I want to get into the defense. I want to get into Davin Gotcha. I want to get into Henry Anderson because, mm-hmm. as Lauren said, he's probably one of the biggest underrated signings of the season. But we got to start Matthew Judon. A, selfishly, I love Matthew Judon. Lawrence knows how much I love Matthew Judon. I never thought he could be a Patriot. I just want to see me some Matthew Judon. And I got to think about ratings, and Matthew Judon will draw better than those other two. So let's kick it off with a bang. Get some people who like defensive film rooms to see Lawrence's stuff and realize, hey, this guy's good, and then we can get into the Devin Gotchas and the – see, here's the problem. If we start with Devin Gotcha. And it doesn't get a lot of views because it's Davin Gotcha. And look, a hardcore fan is going to watch film on Davin Gotcha. The casual fan isn't. We need the casual fan to be attracted by Matt Judon to enjoy what Lawrence is doing to make sure that he checks out Lawrence's other stuff. So you always start big and start working your way down. Just a little bit of a peek behind the curtain of how we have to schedule things. Here's a suggestion. Maybe we... um... If I could find myself a little bit of extra time at some point, maybe I could do a patriot uh a patreon only film room by devin gotcha uh, i like that idea i like that idea let's talk about it let's talk about it i like it so our next one will be matt judon we'll find and we will go forward from there lawrence that's it we did our hour you're done you can go finally rest those vocal cords you called two games this weekend you did a film room for us today and you did the hour with us we appreciate you please tell the people outside of here where they can find you and include where they can watch the basketball league and hear you in your in your prime (laughs) okay first off i want to apologize to all you guys that was waiting on that kendrick Bourne film room i i was hammered uh with just getting ready for my first start uh to follow the basketball league and be the broadcast coordinator for the Indy Express. Then I had both my games on Friday and Saturday, and I just did not have enough time to finish it up until today. When I woke up, I was like, I've got to get this out to Ray as quickly as possible. So I apologize for it. And thank you so much for being patient and waiting for that film room to drop. Uh, I'm Lawrence Owen, man. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Colts underscore law. You can find me uh, on YouTube at Lawrence Owen. Um, and then of course on StreamYard, Lawrence Owen as well, just, uh, StreamYard slash Lawrence Owen. And you can find, uh, a lot of my stuff there. And of course I have a Patreon, uh, for myself as well. Generally, if you just type in Colts Law or Lawrence Owen, you're going to find me somewhere. Okay. And guys, make sure you tune in at 9 p.m. Eastern time tonight where Connor and I will be doing the Dear Pats Nation podcast as we do Sunday through Thursday. Tonight we got a juicy comment because Tom Brady's throwing coach says that it's been the perfect storm in New England for Cam Newton to excel this year. I just said I'm sick of talking about Cam Newton, but we had to talk about that. We threw out the question to Pats Nation. Pats Nation has answered. Guys, if you want to be a a part of the stream if you want to shape what we talk about make sure you check out our youth our community page on youtube we drop a question based on all of our subjects for the next days there you can find it there follow us on twitter at dear pats nation you can follow me at dpn underscore ray i drop the questions there as well follow us on instagram at dear pats nation see us on facebook facebook.com slash dpn sports and of course you can check out patreon patreon.com slash dpn sports Give your comments, give your thoughts, 
We go through it. We talk about it. That's our whole show is based on interacting with you. And of course we get in. And if you're here live, we get into the live chat, but we also understand not everybody can be here for the live chat. Not everybody, you know, feels comfortable dropping questions in the live chat. They'd much rather do it in the comments. We try to do everybody. This is though a fan driven channel. Check it out there until then guys. Um, Oh, there will be no, uh, no, no sources podcast tomorrow. Because we're going to do the film room tomorrow. If you're like, hey, it screwed up the schedule. Screw you guys. I did you an extra one on Saturday instead of the film room. Film room's dropping Monday. Relax. Tuesday, 9 p.m. Eastern time. We got a big announcement. Schedule shifts. New content. Really excited about that. Make sure you check it out. Uh, Lawrence, thanks for having me here, man. I'm not going to ask you this question because I don't want your answer. So I'm just going to say, guys, the Patriots are going to be legit, kid. I'm Connie Teeson, the host of Broadcast Dialogue, the podcast. We focus on Canada and the challenges facing Canadian radio and TV, as well as highlighting those moving the industry forward from podcasting and streaming to new broadcast tech. Check us out at broadcastdialogue.com or your favorite podcast app. Hi, I'm Logan Anderson, host of the Say the Damn Score podcast. On my show, I deep dive into the sports broadcasting business by, you guessed it, talking to sportscasters. The show has featured big names like Bob Costas, Kenny Albert, and Vern Lundquist, as well as many up-and-coming broadcasters who you may not know yet, but you will know soon. Whether you're looking for professional development as a sportscaster, different career paths, or if you just want to be entertained by hearing some of the best storytellers in the world tell their own stories, this podcast is for you. You can subscribe to the podcast on all major podcast platforms, or you can visit our website, saythedamnscore.com.